Whoa, the wind is blowing there. Hey, Matt, where'd you come from? Hey, it's me, Mr. DNA. Are you going to tell me about dinosaurs? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. DNA, where'd you come from? From your blood. Uh, oh, that movie. We are going to reference that movie so many times. It's going to happen a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Science Pokemon. I'm going to say I'm allowed to make bad dad jokes because we are recording this right before Father's Day weekend. And I hope I don't have to make any jokes then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we are joined by the the host of the Common Descent podcast today, uh, and this should be a very interesting episode. Here, we're going to be talking uh, with Will and David about dinosaur Pokemon. But no, we are actually not talking about any of the fossils. I kind of like that. It'll be great. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Cue the music. You do it. Do 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 do. The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Oh my gosh, we got so much news! <laughs> news, 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 news. All right, take it away. Take it away. All righty. Start with so some I'm science. For- science, bees. Buzz, yes, not the bees. Nicholas Cage, Wicker Man, let's do it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I like how we record the news at the end now. So I've been drinking for the last hour and a half, so it's like better. Um, so I actually even knew about this because I have some like beef hobbyist friends, apiarists or apiists, or we say it, apists. Um, so they thought there's this thing called royal jelly that was secreted by bees. That when they would feed it to a bee larva, that would may designate the bee to be the queen. And it would make it be like the queen. And up until recently, scientists and everyone else thought that that was what made the one that ate the most royal jelly turn into the new queen. And now they've learned that hormones and genes are more responsible for the development than the royal jelly, which has a big like implications for the bee industry. Like bee industry, previously, I guess you could maybe, maybe if you knew where the royal jelly was at, you could make sure you knew where your queen was going to be. But now it turns out that's not entirely the case. Okay. So like that, this, this makes it harder to find new queens then, right? I think so. Yeah. But now knowing, cause now the, now that they have, a, cause from the recent years with the whole, you know, all the issues with bees, beekeepers had been worried about like that, I guess the quality of their queens. So maybe like their egg laying ability or their size or something had been decreasing. Um, and many hives, hives were replacing their queens every year, which is not queens live like a lot longer than normal bees. So by like um, understanding now that this is what they thought was a factor is now not a factor. It can help further like the knowledge of making sure that high quality queens are there. So I think it's like it shakes up the whole bee queen previous knowledge, but in a way that may be, lead to long term benefits for bee kind. Huh. OK, well, cool. That's great. So we got the big Pokemon news. You want to say it? Isle of Armor, it's live. We got it. There's stuff. All sorts of stuff is back. My precious, precious son, Porygon Z, is back, and he's alive, and he's amazing. You know Earth what? Gift- we just, I just gave Chloe, because Chloe has a Porygon 2 Plus. Yeah. Because I bought is it. it for- is it one of the sitting cutie- cuties? Because yeah. I don't have that one, and I want it. I have Porygon yeah. 1, and I have a custom Porygon Z, but I don't have Porygon 2 yet. 
Um, I got each of them one of the sitting cuties from a jolly red man at, at the holidays. And gotcha. <laughs> Lucas um, is hooking me up with a snom plush, though. Yes, he offered it to me as well, and I said no. <laughs> but he's I'm snom. Kidding. He's a precious baby. Anyways, uh, yeah, but she ne- I mean, she doesn't know who it is because Chloe's only been playing for a little bit with us. Not like Lila, who's gotcha. been playing since she was three. I mean, Chloe's only lived with us for a year, but uh, since it's back in the game, I got I bred her some Porygon and sent it over to her game. But I just found out like you only get was you only get like one upgrade, right? So there's like something there's like the Cormorant item converter thing. I haven't played through the DLC all the way yet. I've been busy with work. I'm gonna finish it this weekend. Oh, you can you make can them. Do, I think you, I think you can smash up stuff to get upgrades. Oh, fans, okay. if if I'm wrong, I apologize or not. Fans, whoever listens to this, if I, I thought I saw something on Twitter about making more upgrades, I'm sure there's a way to get more. Probably, yeah. Because huh. yeah, I imagine you would need more. Because like for competitive, you want Porygon two, but you also potentially want Porygon Z if you're a cultured individual. Well, and that's why I was that's why I was a little frustrated because I, I told her I said, well, if I only get one, like <laughs> I'm really sorry, Chloe, I love you, but I'm keeping it for me. Because <laughs> I like because Porygon two is stupid useful. He's hella thick. Oh, so friendship, great. Friendship with Dust Clops is over. Porygon two is my new best friend. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to have it back. That was my favorite Trick Room user last last year or last generation. Yeah, it's it's dumb. He's and now with so Max good moves, in now with Max moves too. If it's next to something like Excadrill and they get like a couple Max Quakes or Max Steel Spikes off, you're not killing Porygon two ever. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like because it doesn't get toxic anymore though, so we can all thank God or Arceus or whatever you want to pray to. Because like Lila, Lila runs hard Trick Room, so this might be something we need to look into for her. I've got some stuff too. Um, I well, she, well, she wants. I mean, she'll want a Porygon once I explain to her how it works. Well, yeah. no, wait. You can. Oh, that is one of the new updates. You can use your old Pokemon. Yes, and the the guy puts the stuff on them. Yes, you just you go take them to this guy, and it erases all of the moves, right? I think so. Yeah, it's so that way you can't have any weird event stuff. So the degenerates that have like follow me Blastoise from Gen three. Yes. Sorry. Or I have I have I have random shit from Gen three too that are like that. <laughs> yeah. So that's how. Okay. Yeah. So, but you can do that now. You can bring back your old Pokemon, and this guy will remove all the moves, and then he they get the competitive mark. Yes. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Also, Urshifu is neat. I'm most excited that they follow you. If you didn't yes, know that, now, now I you know that. Yeah. Also, did wait real quick. Talking about following, following, and all that in games. So when they did the um, was it a direct or what was the thing when they they did the other day? When we not also new Pokemon Snap get hyped. Um, yes. When they did the thing, someone pointed out that in the background they had the Let's Go games, but there was an Umbreon and Espeon plushie on either side of the Let's Go games in the background. So people, yeah, are I don't think, I don't. Uh, I, I, I think we might get a Let's Go Johto in the next year or two. I hope not. I liked Let's Go, honestly. I, I want Gen Four remake. So, oh, bad. I would be cool with that too. But like, poor K, no lows dose. I mean, like Infernape, though. Yeah. Ugh, Infernape. I just want him back. I don't like him that much. Blaziken's better. Blasphemy. All right. Well, I got some Blaziken, news. Blaziken goes noom with speed boost. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, oh, my I God. Got... Max, Max Blaziken, though, is going to be wild. No. <laughs> Anyways, I got news. July 25th, we are hosting our tournament with Mount Silver. Yes. I am so excited. You know what? There are, I reached out to all of the VGC podcasters and everyone has responded that they're interested in helping and collaborate. So that's really cool to me because 
And that's the whole point of the network is to connect podcasters. And I'm excited for us to get a tournament going. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm honestly, it's it's gonna be a real good time. We've been we've been some putting in some work. Some uh, people that have run previous tournaments have been giving us a lot of tips, and they're gonna help out as well. Try to keep it running as smoothly as possible. Yeah, um, and and you and I will be there to help and with streaming and stuff. Exactly. We were hoping to run it earlier, but there's already a bunch of pre-existing tournaments and the Players Cup. With, well, and um, we w- yeah, the Players Cup was the big thing. Yeah, we wanted to do it. With, we wanted to do it to like ring in the new format, but we don't want to conflict with anyone that wants to play in that, like myself included. Yes. So, are you, are, are, did you get your letter? Not yet. I don't know if I did. I've checked. Am I, I think I sent it through my work email and made a mistake. It's a weird situation. I have to figure it out. If I yeah, you might want to check that because they came out this week. Yeah, I know. Like everyone I hang out with has got it. I feel really bad. If I, I, I think I got enough points. I'll have to check. I'm sure you did. I mean, I heard it wasn't as high as people thought it would be. Yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be great. Players Cup's really exciting. There's like it's the whole new online only thing is interesting, and the new one where like people see your team sheets and all that for the next round is really going to yeah. mess with um, my shenanigans, which really bums me out personally. Yeah, it's it's going to be a bit interesting to see how it works, but still cool. Yes, I'm excited for you guys. But yeah, uh, yeah, July 25th, come check it out, and we'll have more information about that. That said, though, uh, we did end up raising over two thousand dollars for the Children's Miracle Network. With between all of our events, so we raised over two thousand dollars for them, and then yeah, I got hammered doing trivia. <laughs> but then we also raised we raised uh, a few hundred dollars, several hundred dollars for uh, it was the George Floyd uh, bail fund. So oh, that's the yes, you that was the that. the one night we did that. Yeah, so it's been you know I've been happy to see the community come together, and I've been happy to have a bunch of you guys come out. And thank you to all of you. And Jared, I know you're listening. You have spent way too much money, and I still have more packages I have to send you. <laughs> all right, let's go to the segment, buddy. All righty. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have Will and David here from Common Descent Podcast. Uh, would you guys mind introducing yourselves? Sure. So uh, we are the Common Descent Podcast. We created a few years back. My name is Will. Uh, I'm an educator, currently math tutor, uh, currently a math tutor at a local middle school and everything. But we both are science educators with a background in paleontology. Yeah, we both went to grad school together Mm -hmm. uh, now more years ago than it feels like it was. Yep. Uh, to study fossils, and we both are fo- reptile guys. Yes. <laughs> don't you and, don't you hate that feeling though when you're like, God, grad school was that long ago? It was a time. Well, it's it's <laughs> now getting to where it was more time ago than it was that we were there. Yes. Ooh. Oh yeah. It <laughs> yes. Is. Ah. I yes, said I this was going to be a fun either. conversation. <laughs> I like I like putting temporal ranges in uncomfortable <laughs> references. <laughs> Uh, like Barack Obama was a longer president than the Confederacy existed. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I saw, I saw that one on Twitter today and I like that one. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. So uh, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to ask you guys here real quick. What is paleontology? <laughs> paleontology is very broadly speaking, the study of life in the past. Yes. Ancient and- life, not necessarily animals, but. Animals, plants, <laughs> microbes, fungi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any from, robots? Uh, no robots. All mm. organic life. Yeah. 
Uh, once you get into technology, you're in the realm of archaeology. Absolutely. You're studying ancient cultures and civilizations. Okay, okay. So then, like, what other fields then also, like, would also study, like, extinct animals? And, like, what's the difference between them? So there are a few fields that would be delving into this. Uh, you have various versions of paleontology that you might hear about, you know, paleo botany and things like that. But there is also archaeology and paleoanthropology, which are studying ancient people and sometimes either flirt with getting into fossils or deal with the fossils those humans were dealing with or fossils of humans. Right, right. There is there are things like zooarchaeology, yep, which yep. is studying the animals that humans lived with, like mm -hmm. domestic animals and stuff. Okay. Yeah, like if, you, if you find bones at an archaeology site, now you're into the paleontology a little bit. Oh. So like paleobotany, that would be like uh, Ellie Sadler in Jurassic Park, right? Exactly. Yep. Studying plants and specializing in that. Paleobotany. You could do paleomycology. Yep. You study can study some fungus, micro paleontology, basically anything oh, you can cool. do today on life, you can study it in the past and you just put paleo in front. Yeah. Of it. If there's a field <laughs> in biology, add paleo to it. And it, it, there's probably someone who identifies as that. That's just, that's like how, what we do to food then, right? Like the paleo meat diet, the paleo Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh God, the paleo Atkins sounds dangerous. <laughs> Consume lots of red meat, everyone. Raw. <laughs> I mean, I'm about it. <laughs> Make it work. All right. Uh, so, what are what are some barriers uh, the field of paleontology faces when it comes to conducting its research? Probably the biggest barrier. The first barrier is just getting fossils. Yeah, you have uh, to find them. We are in a, a super fortunate situation that the fossil site we are have been sort of raised on at through grad school and are currently associated with as the gray fossil site, which is right off the highway and we, there's a museum outside of it. And it's, I don't want to say it's super easy, but it is, we still have to dig and everything, but yeah. it is compared to being in the badlands or being in a cave or being in the Arctic. Yeah. We're not having to truck or helicopter out anywhere and no tents are involved. Yeah. It's, we don't have to camp for a week. Yeah. Uh, so you do have varying degrees of it, but uh, sometimes fossils can be very, tough to find and then you're also dealing with the varying ages the older you get even even a really good really old fossil typically is going to be more degraded than a younger fossil so and rarer and much rarer farther back you go the more time there has been for it to be lost to geologic processes and then even once you get it it's fallen apart or it's dirty yeah. or it's not clear there's a whole prep process to clean it reassemble uh, do that whole scenario so it's, it's simply put the, the the difficulties are finding the fossils the fact that they're old and then dealing with the fossils in whatever condition they're in and that all requires people power and money yeah and time, <laughs> well, time. and money money's a big one i know this um i mean no surprise to any of our listeners my, my love of economics <laughs> mm -hmm. um i know that there are a lot of sticky situations there because it's not always clear who gets to keep the fossil. And I know the market is really like stupid and like competitive. Didn't Nicolas like, Cage have like a secret illegal T-Rex skull? <laughs> he, had a, he had a Mongolian Tarbosaurus that okay. oh my gosh. purchased from a, I believe if I remember correctly, the story was that he had purchased it from a source that had turned out 
had illegally obtained yes. it. Yes. And only in recent years. I actually interviewed the lawyer who dealt with really? the first case of that in the nice. U.S. Uh, it wasn't the Nicolas Cage case, I don't think. Yeah, and so Nick Cage ended up sort of embroiled in this international uh, paleontologists were like, hey, that belongs because in Mongolia. That skull. <laughs> it belongs well, in a museum. <laughs> well, and the, the issue you run into with that topic is uh, varies depending on where you are. Like here in the U.S., it, it's there still are dramatic stories, but not as many as when you go to places where uh, institutions of paleontology are less widespread or are yeah yeah like they're, they're younger they're younger they're they're still they're kind of in their paleontology renaissance right now where they're really blossoming and finding lots of cool fossils which is awesome but it also means that there's lots of people finding fossils who are not trained paleontologists while here the opposite's true we talked about that in our galler introduction episode where we talked about the fossil pokemon there and how you know like uh mixed up fossils or fossils that are purposely reassembled with fossils from other living things. So, you know, we did talk about that whole process, especially in regard to a lot of the Asian countries where you're seeing it's, I mean, it's almost like a wild West. Like, you know, there, there's almost no rules. Well, and the, a big issue you, you run into in places like China is that a, a lot of the people who are finding fossils are farmers and miners. Yes. Because you know, they're the ones digging more often than us paleontologists. And, and it's, it becomes a, a monetary value yeah, for it's them. It's a source of income for a low income people. Which is why you'll have those cases of a, a farmer or somebody who slaps fossils together to make it more marketable. And then it gets into scientific hands. And by that time, you know, they've already gotten what they wanted out of it. But because it's so young over there, there aren't, there's no uh, regulation filter, yeah. quite as much as there is over here. Well, there's not, I mean, is there a lot of regulation here? Because I've heard, especially from the economic side, that it, that there's realistically very, <laughs> there's not a whole lot uh, in so America. It varies. Yeah. Uh, there are certain scenarios where it gets tricky. A lot of the big uh, sort of problematic scenarios show up when it is either on private land mm-hmm. or yeah, cult- that's it. culturally important yes. sites where Native American communities have a claim to something. Where there are like cities like in like states like Montana, where like people will find this crap in their backyard and like (laughs) then it becomes a whole battle. Yeah. And so there's definitely been some dramatic stories here uh, with things like that. But typically it's not so it, it doesn't go wrong as often as one might think, because here in the U.S., people have a general pretty general knowledge of what fossils are and their importance. And we're lucky that for the most part, people tend to have a respect for them and they, they don't, they want the right thing to happen to them, especially if it is a big deal thing. And a lot of people, if you find a big deal thing in your backyard, you can, you actually kind of might want it to be in a museum because then it's your thing that's in the museum. So it's, it's a, it's cultural mentality also plays a big role into it. Okay. So then I'm going to go quick here. Uh, so then what is like a day in the life of a paleontologist? Well, that varies quite a bit. Yeah, it depends on the paleontologist. <laughs> depends on the time of the <laughs> year. So, well, some paleontologists are very much out in the field as much as they can. Yeah, Alan digging Grant. Stuff up. Yeah, Alan Grant style. He's a digger. Uh, but oh, then it's you been have... a while since I've watched Jurassic Park. I think <laughs> that's how I'm going to end my night tonight, honestly. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then there are paleontologists who 
spend all their time on the computer yeah. doing statistical analyses. And you have some who are in the lab prepping fossils or researching fossils directly. So it, it can be all sorts of things. And it's then- almost like I planned that question to match the episode Lucas just did. <laughs> well, and then you have people like us who have stepped away from the research and are focused on education. Yes. We're no longer actively studying, but we are trying to promote scientific awareness. Perfect. So what major innovations um, has the field of paleontology gone through over like the past two decades or so? Lots of technological ones. Uh, Like technology has really been opening uh, not just new ways of doing previous techniques, but brand new, you know, previously sci-fi concepts. (laughs) Uh, so we do a, uh, these days it's not uncommon at all for fossils to be CT scanned. Yep. Even micro CT. So we can get not only really close looks at fossils, not only digital reconstructions of them, but looks inside the fossils without having to destroy them. Exactly. And there's also new scanning forms like, uh, a laser scanning. Yeah. Like fluorescence scanning. Yeah, that where... can see different chemical signatures in the fossil and you can actually start to get hints of what tissues or what materials were around the fossil as it was fossilized. And that has been at this, uh, a major part of this sort of new developing field of molecular paleontology, mm-hmm. where people are interpreting protein remnants. Uh, ancient DNA is part of that, which is, you're not getting DNA from dinosaurs, but you we are way better at DNA now yeah. than we were, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And it's still a, a beginning field, so there's still lots of, disagreement on exactly how reliable all the results are and you'll find that with lots of these where people people are still feeling out because it's brand new and we don't want to just accept it right off the bat but some exciting stuff coming out of new technological innovations will mentioned earlier that we are uh, that you have these other countries that are hitting their sort of renaissance period mm-hmm. there are a lot of paleontologists who treat the last 20 years as a second revolution or more of a modern revolution yeah. in paleontology. It's it's a really exciting time. It's very different from when I, I was first reading dinosaur books as a kid, like unrecognizable in many ways. You know, and I, I think that ties in, you know, my uh, my previous field being in cognitive uh, psych and, and cognition. I mean, we have the same thing, you know, like we had all these ideas that came out and, and you begin to understand like the brain with the original emergence of psychology, but then like due to like fMRI technology and neuroimaging, like the amount we're learning over the past, like just decade itself is just substantial. Yeah. Literally opening new doors that you didn't yes. know were closed. Well, to, 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 to now be able to map neural networks like to understand how specific networks connect. Like it's just, it's so awesome to see that technology is, is doing these things for us. Yeah. So I'm going to ask the big question. <laughs> what are dinosaurs? Dinosaurs. <laughs> dinosaurs are a group of animals like mammals, like insects that are a particular related group with particular features. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happens to be a very diverse group. So it includes the big meat eaters like T-Rex and the horned dinosaurs like Triceratops. And it includes birds and it includes long neck sauropods. Yep. And so it, it the the term dinosaur is a, uh, a taxonomic, a group of life term, just like feline and canid and, you know, reptile. 
So then uh, I'm going to ask you this hard one, and I'm going to have trouble with this. So then what are like sauropods? Did I say that right? Sauropods? Mm-hmm. Which is like yeah. like tropius for our listeners. Them long-necked and, bad boys. And mm-hmm. theropods, which is like duraludon. And then what are ornith... I can't say it. Ornithians. Ornithians. So the and then and then you have another one, right? There's four groups. There, you those are the three major that you just named. Mm -hmm. So when we think about most dinosaur diversity, is going to fall into either theropods, which are typically your two-legged meat eaters, T. Rex, Velociraptor, Allosaurus, your sauropods and pigeons and birds. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Sauropods are. Bon, Typically know. four-legged, herbivorous, pillar legs, long neck, long tail. Littlefoot. Yes, Littlefoot, the Brachiosaurus in Jurassic Park. Parasolophus? Uh Not quite. So those are the uh, those are those hard-headed dudes, right? No, that's, no, that's Pachycephalosaurus. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And Parasolophus is the the the, the, uh, the one with uh, the big banana on the head. Yes. Yes, those guys. Correct. I was making the motion, but you guys they can't always see me. they always get smashed and walking with dinosaurs. <laughs> Stuff always eats them. Yes. <laughs> so your theropods, your sauropods, and then all those others are in the Ornithischia, which are herbivores that vary from horned dinosaurs like Triceratops, ah. Stegosaurs, Pachycephalosaurus, Parasaurolophus, uh, are share, usually being herbivorous. Most of them are four-legged, but not all of them, like the Pachycephalosaurs. Uh, they have a particular hip structure that they share. But like like Parasaurolophus, I know in Jurassic Park it's shown on two legs. But I was reading, coincidentally, I don't think one of you guys shared it, but it was shared on Twitter one night. And I was reading, someone shared a link to, uh, it was some blog this guy has. Uh, he's like like you guys who runs a, it's a he's a paleo guy, mm-hmm. and it was a whole thing on all all the reasons why Jurassic Park dinosaurs are wrong. Oh, there's a lot of reasons. There's well, I know it was like a, it was like a good 50 minute read. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll read this. But yeah, Parasaurolophus. They were talking about like new research in, indicates that it probably walked on like four legs and stuff. And for a lot of those those herbivores, so those are the, your hadrosaurs, the duck build dinosaurs. Yes. Uh, and for a lot of those, and potentially ones like iguanodon, iguanodon, yeah, uh, they likely were mostly four-legged but there are uh there's evidence that they could have probably raised up to do things but we're not spending their life on their back legs so if you think like a bear you know i i can stand up to do stuff but i'm not walking around like that um unless i have to well i think with that i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna move on to the pokemon if that's okay with you guys sounds good let's do it all right All right, so we're going to go through this, hopefully not spend too much time. I mean, I do want to talk about it, but I I wanted to make sure we talked about paleontology here a bit. But let's talk about the Pokemon, what we got. So just broadly, so we we have Meganium, which has some links to like an Apatosaurus. What can you tell us about like, you know, Apatosaurus or Meganium? Yeah, so uh, it definitely has sauropod features to it. Yeah, it's like Tropius. Mm-hmm. Those two are very sauropod-esque. Long neck, pillar legs. Yep, stout body. Both lack the long tail that's typically 
characteristic of yeah i was the gonna sauropod. say they're both very much they seem like they're very much modeled in the the style of brachiosaurs yes exactly with the neck held upwards or at least the classic view of brachiosaurs mm-hmm. which tend to be shorter limbed or, or shorter tailed longer front legs and the, the necks usually depicted held more vertically yeah it's got the very that giraffe uh, uh profile and so the, it it's it is definitely inspired by those. There's not something that like screams out a particular individual sauropod other than the brachiosaur or the classic brachiosaur like body plan, right? Just because of the like the neck layout, is that why? Yeah, uh, and the short tail. Because mm-hmm. a patasaurus is one of the I, that's a, a close cousin of Diplodocus, which yes. are the famous long whip-tailed sauropods. Where their tail and their neck are equal in length, just about. And just stick off from either end of the body into the horizon. So I have, so Grovile here has like inspiration of two different things, right? Uh, we, we have listed. Grovile is, Grovile is interesting because Grovile is definitely modeled after your small theropods. Yes. So it's got, you know, it's, it walks on two legs. It's got two long arms. Mm-hmm. So when we think of the famous theropods, we think of T-Rex and Allosaurus, yep. but Velociraptor, Deinonychus. What are often called the raptors, but we would call the dromaeosaurs. Right, right. Dromaeosaurs, who are also close cousins of Oviraptorosaurs, mm-hmm. which are a bunch of different dinosaurs that have not just that body plan, but I, what I like a lot about Grovile is that it's got those leaves coming off the arms. Like feathers. Like yes. feathers. and Like and, arm feathers. Velociraptor, for example, along with a lot of these other dinosaurs, had long feathers coming off the arms. Yeah. So we see that in a lot of the Dromaeosaurs. We see that in Oviraptor and its cousins, like City Potty, which is a smaller version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a bunch of these small theropods that look like that. And so once again, lacking the long tail uh, that you would expect, but it definitely has that that small predatory dinosaur feel to it. Wait, does Grovile have a short tail? It has two leaf, like leaf fronds yeah. as tails. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I had to think about that for a minute. <laughs> and Oviraptorosaurs, not only did they have short tails, but they there are a couple that had feathery yes. projections yes, off had, the tail. So Like fans. But they also had beaks. I guess Grovile kind of has a bit. It does it doesn't a not have a beak. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> It's not not a beak, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, I know I know you guys gave me gave me the business for the next one, but I wanted to put it in there. It is it's one of my one of my favorite guys out there. We're going to talk about crocodile. Yeah. And, and uh, was it Baryonyx? Is that how you say it? Yes, that is how you say that. And Baryon and crocodile is also one of my favorites. Um, oh, so cool. It's I'm a I'm and a, he's legal now for VGC. He just got legalized. <laughs> Let's all be excited. He's home. He's home. Ah. <laughs> Seriously, as soon as I beat the the Isle of Armor, that's who I'm having follow me. He's <laughs> good. He's a good boy. He won worlds too back in like a couple years. I ago. know. I have that one. Oh, the yeah, the shiny one. That yep. The special one. Yeah. So so crocodile, uh, being a, a bipedal croc, definitely has some physical resemblances to certain dinosaurs. Bar- Baryonyx is in the same group as Spinosaurus, the Spinosaurids, which are theropod, two-legged, predatory dinosaurs that are characterized by having long, kind of crocodilian-like snouts. And many of them are associated with potentially being fish eaters. But there are actually two-legged, like bipedal, or at least sometimes bipedal, 
cousins of crocodiles that lived early in the age of dinosaurs. I was just reading about this today, actually. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. There's a a recent set of footprints found uh, associated to a bipedal croc cousin. So they wouldn't be actual crocodiles. They would be cousins of the ancestors of crocodiles. But for a while, the crocodilla morphs, which is a very widespread group, were almost the dominant reptile group on land. And then things shifted over to the dinosaurs taking over that dominance. But if you go back to the early age, the Triassic of the age of dinosaurs, all the things walking upright and chasing things down on land would like predator predatory wise would have mostly been croc cousins. So there are actual crocs that fit that more dinosaur look than some dinosaurs. Huh. How about that? I like it. I like that. Um, real oh, yeah. quick, though, I want to ask, what is, like, I know it, Baryonyx was in the newest Jurassic World, right? Yes. I didn't watch it because, I mean, like, at this point, it's more of a monster film than a dinosaur film. Yes. <laughs> like, like, no, legitimately, like, you don't understand. When I was a kid, I said I was going to be a paleontologist because I've never been a fan of, like, chemistry or anything. Mm-hmm. But I've, I always wanted to be in the sciences somehow. And I loved Alan Grant. Like I dressed up mm-hmm. as Alan Grant like all the dang time. <laughs> no, absolutely. But like I refused to watch it because it's like, hey, the science has been updated, guys. Because uh, like Spinosaurus, like isn't there evidence that like like the big ones like in that in the third movie really wouldn't have been on land, or at least it was not a running chasing predator the way they okay. showed it. Right, they are probably semi aquatic. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of like a croc or a. Even better comparison might be like a heron. Yes. Or a okay. stork. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, the next one we're going to talk about, you ready for this, Don? Guess what's so special about this next one? What? What is so special about this next one? This is our next giveaway. This is our next Patreon giveaway. Oh, hot diggity. Yeah. We got a shiny level 50. Okay. What is it? I forget. We got Hakamoo. Ooh, I like him. Except I I, I got the, uh, what's, the what's the evolved form? Komoo. Komoo. I got Komoo. Yeah, shiny like, for our Patreon like he's, supporters. He's better. But yeah, Hakamo, uh, definitely some resemblance to the ankylosaurs. So what are what are ankylosaurs? <laughs> so yeah, the 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 Koma O whole line there is typified by this armor plating mm-hmm. covering. And ankylosaurs were a group of dinosaurs that based the, the tank dinosaurs, the armored dinosaurs. They walked on four legs. They were covered in osteoderm. So if if you think about a crocodile's back. They have this bony plating armor just under the skin that's covered in scutes. Mm-hmm. And an ankylosaur was kind of like the marriage of the back of a tortoise and a crocodile. Yes. But just not just in some of them, it's just smooth ish armor plating like an armadillo. In others, there's knobs and spikes and all sorts and of blades. ornamentation sticking off of them. So Como O and friends have that sort of armored covering, but they are shaped like theropods. Yeah, they're shaped like a predatory dinosaur. So ankylosaurs are all four-legged herbivores, whereas Koma'o and Hakama'o are bipedal. They have that sort of forward-slung stance like a, like a theropod would. And theropods very rarely had armor like that. Yeah, you don't see that as often in your predators you get it in some animals had osteoderms on the face Mm -hmm. like you know allosaurus and t-rex had various 
bumps and crests and knobs and stuff on the head. Carnotaurus actually did have lines of osteoderms, bone armor, running along the back. Because it's awesome. Because it's awesome. And then the horns on the head. But that sort of... for anyone wondering, that's the bad guy dinosaur from Disney's Dinosaur. With Aladar, the Iguanodon yeah. dude. Yes, yes. yes that's <laughs> what as soon as you said, I, I, I couldn't think of the name of the movie. Yep. But like, I was a, yeah. You mean Dinosaur Don? <laughs> I thought it was something you other mean the movie, the movie literally named Dinosaur? <laughs> so Car- Carnotaurus is this pug-faced, two-horned dinosaur. Horns above the eyes. It's badass. Yeah. Super cool dinosaur. It's, it's awesome. on the Disney Dinosaur ride. Yep. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we're we're gonna go there. Uh, yeah, much to my dismay, but we will end up going there next year. And my two year old has already expressed that she will not go on that ride because it's too scary. It is unnecessarily scary. <laughs> oh no, like, but we're talking about we're talking about the same two year old who is tall enough. Uh, like she'll be two in, in two inches, she'll be tall enough for Tower of Terror, and she is obsessed. <laughs> I'm gonna go say hi to the ghost. Okay, whatever, kid. <laughs> what your boat? All right. Um, uh, last one I want to get to is. Seriously, Sceptile. Woo! I like favorite graph starter. What's up? And yeah, it's got this one's got ties to a different different uh, theropod, right? Mm-hmm. So Sceptile is interesting. It has a lot of Pokemon actually have this Godzilla stance. Yes, and, and Kaiju. I sort of. So if you think about Jurassic Park, the T Rex and Velociraptors have this. Their spine is horizontal, it, it parallel to the ground. They yeah. lean forward. But if you think about classic dinosaur depictions, they were in the past reconstructed standing like kangaroos. Yeah, like Land Before Time and stuff like that. Before we realized sort of how they're... Before we realized that you'd have to break their bodies exactly that. to do that. You, you broke their back making them stand up that way. But it lent its inspiration to a lot of classic depictions of dinosaurs, including kaiju. And my goodness, does Pokemon draw inspiration from classic monsters. Mm-hmm. And so Sceptile's in that same category as like Tyranitar and Rhydon, where they are basically Godzilla's standing creatures. And then Sceptile has those two crests on its head that I have seen it uh, compared to Dilophosaurus. Yes, which has two likely display features that just run parallel down the head in a similar way. This is the one that's shown spitting in Jurassic Park, but they didn't do that. Right, right. In, in Jurassic Park, they augmented it with the frill blizzard mm-hmm. neck flap, although the actual dinosaur was much larger than the one shown in the movie and just had those two, sort of like if you think of a crested lizard, yeah, the two sort, sort of uh, banners on top of its head. Uh, and a lot of, there are a bunch of theropods that actually had crests on their head, mm-hmm. not, not often armored like you think of an ankylosaur. But Cryolithosaurus had that Elvis uh, ice cream for the fashion, yeah. Yep. Well, and like, so I want to touch here, though, on on Dilophosaurus. It didn't have like that weird neck fin thing, right? No. So the concept for that was supposed to be uh, this idea, which is an interesting idea. This is what we call speculative evolution, that when, you know, writing the book, Michael Crichton had the idea of, all right, if we brought dinosaurs back to life, there's going to be soft tissue, you know, fleshy things that didn't fossilize and things like being venomous or being poisonous or having frills very likely wouldn't fossilize in many creatures. So he created that to, you know, to show that when they brought the life of back from the dead, they went, oh, wow, that's a weird feature we didn't expect it to have. 
and it says that in the movie. Yes. It says we now know mm-hmm. that they are poisonous, that they spit this poison. But as David mentioned, they're much bigger than the movie shows. Yes, so, they're like they're like the size of the raptors, right? Yeah, because like, the raptors aren't really raptors. They're they're. Uh, Dilophosaurus. They, they found like bigger raptors later, long. though, right? Like the Utah raptor and all that. Yes, that was post movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have but, a I have a Utah raptor uh, 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 claw. That's neat. Uh, but no, Dilophosaurus would actually be even bigger than those. Uh, they were just saying really? about twenty feet long or so. Yeah, it was a big. Whoa. So a this big would be right like. There. Well, this would be like having a poisonous grizzly bear. Like, (laughs) what's the point? Yeah, if you're that big, you don't need poison and you don't need a a thing to a frill to scare off predators. You You are the predator. predator. Yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) And we have no evidence that it had any sort of neck structure that would have supported a frill or indeed any dinosaur. No, that would be super cool if we found one. Oh, yes. But so far. It's the frilled lizard, and that's about it. Yep. <laughs> Sad. Disappointing. <laughs> All right, Don, do you got any questions you want to ask these guys? Uh, I got a couple, actually. So um, we, have, we have our two kind of standard questions. So one of them, if like you can make one dinosaur into a Pokemon that's not already a Pokemon, what would it be? Or one prehistoric animal. Yes. Yeah, because for I believe for both of us, it, it would not be a dinosaur because we've had a, a good selection of those. I mean, there are other dinosaurs you could go with. Oh, absolutely. If, if we're opening it up to anything. Yes. Uh, for me, a prehistoric mammal. Uh, I'm amazed that in all the generations of Pokemon and runs of fossil Pokemon we've had, we have yet to have a, a true fossil mammal added in. And for me, it, it would either be giant ground sloths, which are... We do have Mamoswine. Uh, we do have Mamoswine, but it's not... It, you know, it, it, it is... Uh, you mean like a fossil Pokemon? Yeah, like a fossil Pokemon. Like a fossil, yes. Yeah, yeah, a okay. resurrected Pokemon. Uh, and that's that. That one's cool and all, uh, but it, it, it is um, more an homage than. Well, I heard. I thought like I thought slacking was like. Well, that's a that's definitely based on a sloth, but then it turns into a gorilla. Yeah, and, uh, and also also he's terrible, so he doesn't count. It, you know, uh, by the end of it, it's just King Kong. So which gra- is cool. Yes, King Kong's cool. Ground sloths are cousins of sloths that walked on all fours, and some grew to the size of elephants, and they had claws that could be almost a foot long. Um, so I, mean, I know that, some people here, I think they've, um, there's some like rivers in Florida that are big, like fossil diving spots. And I believe I know some, uh, I think they've, I know guys found some ground slots, I think. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Uh, that or a saber tooth cat. Like, yes. Cool. Why haven't we had that yet? Wait, 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 wait. Is, is Raikou a saber tooth? Yes. But you mean, wait, right. You mean fossil though. You mean like fossil fossil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm on board with mammals. Mm-hmm. But I have I was supremely impressed in the early generations of Pokemon that their fossils were invertebrates. Yes. Yeah. So that, that oh, shout out to yeah, Gen Three had the crinoid and the um, and Anomalocaris, which is so yes. cool. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see more. I, I would love to see like a Eurypterid, which sea are scorpions. sea scorpions. Yeah. Yes, that would be super cool to see. I thought we kind of had one though. You Anorith? Yeah. Well, Anorith is anomaly is an anomaly carid, which is a totally separate Cambrian. They're group more swimmy because the uh, the sea scorpions uh, like were walking walking fellas, right? Yep, and they had claws. So Anorith has those uh, graspy appendages on its face, like anomaly carid did, uh, whereas uh. The sea scorpions had you know scorpion style claws and long quote unquote tails, which I believe are actually just extended extended bodies yep but some of them got up to like 
eight feet long. Yes. They got enormous. I just looked it up. Like they, these, these are terrifying. Yeah. They're awesome. I, I, I'm very pro big ass scorpion. Um, well, I, my personal question, uh, each of you, what is the, what's like the, what is the biggest dinosaur you think you could take in a fight? <laughs> the biggest dinosaur? Yeah, that you like. Let's say you, you have a seven out of ten chance to beat it, like in a fist fight. Compass and Nagthus. So, so we probably. I mean, I would think it one of the smaller bipedal herbivores yes. that is roughly our size. Yes. Like a small <laughs> hadrosaur. Yeah, kind of thing. Hypsilophodon is, is smaller than I'm thinking, I, but no, I like, like that. Hadrosaur I like because I was <laughs> I was getting stuck on all the beaked ones, and it's like, I, but I don't no. I don't want to get near that beak. No, no, um, I don't want to fight a beaked thing. Although I don't know how many of the small hadrosaurs like a, a toothless one. Yeah, yeah, although the toothless ones are often beaked. Yeah, yep. Uh, or something small like 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 a, a Scutellosaurus or Skeletosaurus, yes. something I can kick. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I would not mess with any of the theropods no because they're yeah, they, be bad yeah they're built to destroy things is that well because it's like i'm i'm not scared of my house cat but i'm not messing with a bobcat right yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay wait come on don Jeez. all right um real quick then before we wrap up here what's something that people get wrong about dinosaurs that you want to like correct I think the biggest misconception that I often come across is goes back to one of the first questions you asked us, which is what is a dinosaur? A lot of the time the word dinosaur gets used for g- generic word for ancient thing or yeah, old ancient stuff, reptile or something. But like we said early on, dinosaur is a word like insect, like mammal means something and refers to a very specific group of animals. So yes. the same way that a spider is not an insect and a shark isn't a mammal, it, you know, Dimetrodon or those ancient crocs that Will yeah. was talking about before aren't dinosaurs. They don't fit in that group. They don't have the right dinosaur features to be a dinosaur. Uh, and yeah, that that's probably one of the biggest ones for me because, uh, and, and I understand where the confusion comes from because there are a lot of dinosaur-like things that... Yes. If you don't know the rules, sure do look like they should be included. <laughs> and dinosaurs are very diverse. Yes. So it's totally reasonable for somebody to go, all right, well, if Triceratops is a dinosaur and T-Rex is a dinosaur, why isn't this other thing a dinosaur? It feels kind of like explaining Yeah, come on, guys. Yeah. Well, it, it feels like explaining why legless lizards aren't snakes. Yes. <laughs> you know, you, you have lizards without legs that aren't... They have ear holes. Uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's stuff like that. It's features <laughs> a snake either would be lacking or has that the lizard's lacking. Dinosaurs are the same way, but it often gets treated that if it's older. Thank you, Don. Older, I, 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 I took some herpetology classes. <laughs> All right, guys. Seriously, if our fans want to follow you or check you out, where can they do so? We have a podcast. Mm-hmm. So we host the Common Descent podcast. So you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. You can look us up. We are also on the social medias on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram via our podcast. Each episode, uh, our main episodes are about topics in paleontology. We talk about science news in paleontology and evolution. And then we like to do spin off series about 
science in movies and, and speculative evolution and all sorts of fun messing with paleo-related sciences. Yeah, and we like to take uh, requests. So if you decide to start listening and you we haven't talked about something you want us to, let us know. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you so very much. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for coming out. Well, that was a fun interview. It was. Them dinosaurs. All sorts of DNA right there. And the mosquito. We didn't even ask about the mosquitoes. (laughs) You know what? I'm watching Jurassic Park tonight. I'm we'll have to have happy. them back on to have another dinosaur and another uh, prehistoric. Because there's a lot of them. There are a lot of prehistoric and there are a lot of extinct uh, animals that are based, uh, Pokemon are based on. So we'll have to have them back again. There's so many. And also, um, what dinosaur would you fight, Matt, if you had to fight a dinosaur? I'm not answering this question. All right. Well, I'm not sure either, but uh, I got to think about it. I feel like the ostrich guys from Jurassic Park, I'm blanking on the name. I think Calamimus? Yeah, maybe one of those. I think they got a long neck. If I jumped up and grabbed grabbed the neck, maybe I had a shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, um, comment on the Twitter or whatever, and uh, tell us what dinosaur you think you could fight. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, do it. Um, that said, hey guys, uh, for the giveaways, uh, for your Patreon supporters, seriously, just hit me up on um on Discord, and we'll schedule. I think I got to all of you who shot me a message on Discord. I'm pretty sure I got to all of you because there was, yeah, I think I got to all of you because we did the, the Mel Metal. And if I didn't get you Mel Metal last month, hit me up. And I know it's another app. You don't want to use it or another website, however you're going to use it. But look, it's free and it's it's like texting anonymously so you can hit me up. No issue. And I'll make sure to get to you. But yeah, we're going to do the, uh, what is it? Uh, Kamoo, 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 yes, Kamoo, Kamoo, as he was called when he was good, kind of good, and for a little bit in 2018. Well, it's a girl, ours is, and she's shiny, shiny Kamoo, the most she's aesthetic of all the shinies. Very pretty, yeah. So uh, come and get it. Come hit us up. I gotta get that for you guys and for everyone else. Thank you. Uh, please share the show with one friend. We would thoroughly appreciate it. And leave us a positive review on iTunes. And you guys know to find us on Facebook and come hang out. So, peace. Sweet. Have a good one. Hey, just an update here for everyone. We are going to start uploading our videos here starting June 29th. And it will be uploaded one per day, every day, all the way until July 3rd. So that's our gift to you. Please stay tuned and keep track on YouTube and Facebook. Thanks. Thanks.